0: Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lolly.
1: Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever it is where you are. Welcome to the podcast. Now today's topic is gun control and what will they do next? They being the government. Now, practical prepping is committed to avoiding political subjects unless the political topic affects preparedness. Now, such topics could include inflation, financial policies, energy policies, or gun control, which is what we're talking about today. This isn't so much a political discussion as it is a statement of fact-checked historical records of gun control laws, as well as statements by current and recent politicians and candidates in reference to their positions on gun control. We know that one goal of the far left for years has been to eliminate private ownership of firearms. They believe that only the state should have access to firearms. Do you remember that cry? Only the police should have guns. Well, history shows this to be a very bad idea, and the Jewish Holocaust is a very good example. A limiting private firearm ownership is not about safety. It's not about crimes. It's not even about death. Gun control is not about controlling firearms. It is about controlling people. Now, here's some facts leading up to the Jewish Holocaust. In 1928, which was five years before Hitler came to power, Germany enacted the Law on Firearms and Ammunition. That was its title, Law on Firearms and Ammunition. Now, this particular law required registration of existing firearms and their owners, It also required a permit called a firearms acquisitions permit. You had to get a permit before you could acquire a firearm. This was whether you purchased it. Even if someone was giving it to you, you had to have a firearms acquisition permit. After that, you had to have an ammunition acquisition permit. See, they said we need to know who has the guns and we need to control who gets them, right? We need to control what firearms they get, right? We need to control how many they get and how many they have, right? Well, let's fast forward. We hear that we need common sense gun control legislation. Remember that? Sound familiar? All right, let's go back to Germany. The Nazis came to power legally in 1933. Adolf Hitler was elected chancellor of Germany and he was granted emergency powers under their constitution at the time. He legally became a dictator. Now, the Nazis feared a democracy of armed, law-abiding citizens. So in 1938, particularly March the 18th, the Nazi weapons law was enacted, and only card-carrying Nazis could own or carry firearms. See where this is going? November the 11th of 1938, new regulations, end quote, under the law barred all Jews from owning any weapon. Yes, I said any weapon. Hunting guns, handguns, knives, swords, any type of weapon. As a police state, these laws were not at all difficult to enforce. All they had to do was declare an individual or a group or those with membership in a particular organization as no longer allowed to possess firearms or to declare a particular weapon no longer legal to own, and these were easy to confiscate under the law. Sounding familiar? It's not too much of a stretch to see that they could deem certain groups who could not possess firearms. How about Christians? They seem to be leaning toward the idea that all Christians are mentally ill, and we certainly don't want the mentally ill to have access to firearms. How about veterans? You know that some of them have PTSD, so they shouldn't have access to firearms. What about conservatives or patriots? They could start another revolution, couldn't they? We can't have that. How about parents of small children? Well, for the safety of the children, of course these people can't have firearms. What about blacks or whites or any group of citizens the government decides should not have access to firearms? Well, back to Germany. The Nazi weapons law of 1938 is the blueprint for gun control in America. In fact, the Nazi-style gun control laws were enacted by the American Congress as the U.S. Gun Control Act of 1968. Under that, as you did in Germany. You have to prove your identity. You have to provide your government ID number. You say, wait, we don't have government ID number. Yes, you do. Social security number. We have to prove or swear that we're law-abiding citizens. And dealers had to document purchases on behalf of the federal government. And there, non-elected bureaucrats are empowered to decide who among law-abiding citizens may own weapons. They also decide who among law-abiding citizens may carry weapons. They also decide where and under what conditions weapons may be carried. And they decide what kinds of weapons may be lawfully owned. And these are non-elected bureaucrats. In some states, law-abiding citizens must apply for and obtain a FOID card or a firearms owner's identification card, even to own a firearm. They also have to have a firearms purchaser identification card or a firearms acquisition permit. Sound familiar? In may issue states, and we're talking about permits here, There are two types of states that have permits, the may issue and the shall issue, and may and shall are legal terms. Shall means it will happen. May means it could happen, but it might not. In some may issue states, you may have to have a training class, letters of recommendation, an interview with the police chief, and the permit may still be withheld. In other words, we have to have permission of the government to exercise our God-given right as guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution. What if we had to have their permission before we could exercise our rights under the First, the Fourth, or the Fifth Amendments? Let's look at some sound bites of the last few years. Remember this one. No one needs a rifle that holds 30 rounds. They just don't. Nobody needs a gun that holds 120 bullets. No one needs a gun that will shoot 100 rounds per second. We don't need these weapons of war in the hands of citizens. This just shows how little some folks know about what they're saying. What gun holds 120 rounds? Sure, there are drums available, but those are not very reliable. I wouldn't want to go into a firefight with a 100-round drum under my AR. I can reload another magazine quicker than I can clear a malfunction from one of those drums. What firearm that isn't a chain gun mounted on a vehicle or an aircraft will fire even close to 120 rounds per second. I'm not really even sure that a chain gun will do that. And who could afford to feed it if it was available? When it comes to weapons of war, I don't know of any standing army in the world that uses an AR-15 or an AK-74, which is the semi-automatic version of the ak 47 as its primary weapon of war. Both are semi-automatic weapons, and armies use select-fire fully automatic weapons. Guns are not the problem. People are the problem. I saw a quote that said, law-abiding people aren't going to stop being law-abiding people just because you give them access to firearms. You can give a law-abiding citizen a rocket launcher and they're not going to hurt a soul. The trick is to make more people law-abiding citizens. Now this year, 2021, 20,989 Americans died of gun violence from January 1 to June the 23rd. Now, more than half of these were through suicide, and this is according to a research group, the Gun Violence Archive. Now, I'm in law enforcement, and I'll tell you that we have many more suicides by overdose than we do with firearms. Suicide's not a gun issue. It's a mental health issue. Let's start working on the right issue and address the mental health issues. And I can tell you as well that the number of crimes committed by people who have some type of concealed carry permit are minuscule in comparison to those committed by people carrying stolen guns, weapons bought on the street, and by people who already are prohibited from possessing a firearm. Guns are not the problem. People are the problem. Now, the politicians talk about sensible gun safety laws. One of the things that they want is universal background checks. Well, here's the problem with that. Criminals do not buy their guns through dealers. Many convicted felons are not even permitted to buy or possess a firearm, yet they get them. They can't buy them from a dealer, so they buy them on the street or they steal them. Now, under universal background checks, loaning guns would legally require a background check with transfer costs both ways. If I'm going to loan you a firearm to, say, go hunting, we have to go to a dealer and I have to have a background check and paperwork run on you and pay anything from 15 to $35 to have the weapon transferred to you. And then the next day you're going to give me back my gun after you've gone hunting, we have to go back to the dealer and go through the process again and pay another 15 to $35 for you to give me back my own weapon. If I know you well enough to loan you a gun you're not a problem. I don't have to worry about a background check if I know you well enough to loan you a gun. They are also calling for a renewal of so-called assault weapons bans. They're looking at mandatory government buybacks of certain weapons or register them under the NFA Act, the National Firearms Act, and that includes magazines. And if you're not familiar, under the NFA or the National Firearms Act, you register Class Three weapons, which really is machine guns and suppressors. And it's a $200 tax on each item. So they're talking about the possibility of a $200 registration tax on each magazine that you own that holds more than 10 rounds. Now, Hillary Clinton said that we needed to look at the Australia model of gun control. If you remember what Australia did, this involved mandatory buybacks of certain firearms, and that is paid confiscation. Sure, they're giving you some money for your gun. That makes it legal, but it's nothing but confiscation of your firearms. Now, in 2005, Congress passed the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, And what that act does is it protects gun manufacturers from civil liability when their products are used illegally, but it does not release them from negligence. It just keeps people from being able to sue them because their firearm was used in an illegal act. That's all it did. And Biden voted against it. In 2020, on September the 24th, while campaigning, Biden warned the gun manufacturers saying, I'm going to take you down. Biden-Harris administration now wants to repeal the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act. Now, let's look at what that would do. That would allow gun manufacturers to be sued when their guns are used illegally. That's like allowing Ford Motor Company to be sued because a Ford automobile was used as a getaway vehicle in a robbery. Or an extremely intoxicated person was driving a Ford when they killed an entire family, so Ford gets sued. This would be a way to eliminate the gun manufacturers in America. They would not be able to purchase insurance, and it would bankrupt every gun manufacturer in America. Now let's go back and look at their positions when Biden and Harris were candidates. Biden was in opposition to teachers being armed, even though the commission that investigated the Parkland school shooting in Florida recommended that arming teachers, get this, is a crucial component in stopping school shootings. I have studied that particular school shooting in depth, in detail, by the second, who did what, what happened Who was shot, when, where, and all of the details of that. And I can tell you with certainty, had there been one of several people in that school that had been armed, that shooter would not have killed the number of people or injured the number of people that he did. Biden would also, if it were ever passed, that schools could arm their teachers Biden would prohibit the use of federal money to arm or train those educators in safe firearm usage. Now, Harris, she threatened that if she was elected, she'd give Congress 100 days to pass gun laws or she'd use executive orders to enact new gun laws. I thought laws were enacted by the legislature, not by the president. She seems to think otherwise. She also wants to require a dealer license for anyone selling more than five guns per year. That doesn't sound that bad on the surface, and I certainly want every dealer to be licensed, but here's the rub. It would require a dealer license just to sell a deceased family member's collection or to sell off more than five of your own guns. She supports a good cause requirement for carry permits. In other words, you'd have to prove why you need a permit. And the words personal protection alone would no longer be acceptable. Here are more things that Biden says he supports. Bans and confiscations. He advocates mandatory buybacks. He says to prevent stockpiling of weapons, we need to limit the number of weapons purchased to one per month. He wants to ban internet and online sales of firearms, ammunition, kits, and gun parts. Now, until 1968, you could mail order firearms from Sears and Roebuck through their catalog, and they'd show up in your mailbox. All you had to do was be able to pay the bill. After 1968, it had to be shipped not to the purchaser, but to a dealer where we have to go through the same background check and do the same paperwork as if we were buying that gun from the dealer. So internet sales, online sales, they all require the same background check and paperwork that we all do today if we go into a store and purchase a firearm. Says he wants to close the gun show loophole. See, they want to make it like you can go to a gun show and you can just walk up and buy any gun you want without a background check. But you already have to go through the dealer at the gun shows. All a gun show does is bring a lot of dealers together under one roof to let you be able to search out and find firearms that you would like to purchase. And it's also a lot of fun just to go and look at all of the different things. Biden supports banning person-to-person sales. This is part of what they're looking at on the loophole is that if you and I meet at a gun show and I want to sell you my personal firearm and you want to buy my personal firearm, I can sell that to you as a person-to-person sale without paying transfer fees, without having to go through all of that background check. Now, personally, if I'm selling you my weapon and I do not know you, I'm wanting to see your pistol permit. And the reason I want to see your pistol permit is if you have a pistol permit, I know that you have gone through a background check and you are legally allowed to purchase that weapon. He also wants to incentivize gun licensing programs in the various states. Now, those gun licensing programs which can't be done by the federal government, but could be done and are being done in some states, would require obtaining a license before purchasing a firearm. Remember that firearms acquisition permit? That's exactly what they're talking about right there. These measures would effectively tell the government who owns what guns and where they are. All the government would have to do is go to the states, pull the database, Now, it would take a while because most of us have guns that we may have purchased from individuals, inherited from family, or bought from friends that did not go through all of this before it became what it is today. But after a generation or so, they'd know where all the guns were. If this all comes in, when I pass away, any of the firearms that I may have that I have left to my grandsons in my will... They will have to go through all of the background check, all of the paperwork, and pay a transfer fee to be able to inherit the weapons that I have saved for them. Most of those are hunting guns, hunting shotguns and rifles that have been in the family for a number of years. And I really would not want them to have to pay $35 per weapon to be able to receive what their papa their great-grandfather, and their great-great-grandfather hunted with when we were young. Sound familiar? He also wants to incentivize the enacting of red flag laws. We already have a legal way to take weapons from those who truly should not have one, and it doesn't violate their due process that's guaranteed under the Constitution. But under these red flag laws, anyone can go down and just sign a piece of paper that says they don't need a weapon, and we've already had at least one person killed in the United States because of the fraudulent use of these red flag laws. Biden and Harris want to ban high-capacity magazines, and they call high-capacity magazines anything over a 10-round capacity, or require NFA registration and be taxed at $200 each, Same fee as a Class III fully automatic weapon. It would cost the same amount of money to register your magazine that came with some of your firearms as it does to register a fully automatic weapon. Now, the handgun standard capacity magazines from the factory are 15 to 19 rounds on many modern firearms. He also wants to ensure that 100% of firearms sold in America are smart guns. That's a stupid idea. Let's talk about smart guns for just a moment. These record and register your biometrics, whether it's fingerprints, whatever it is. It's registered in how you grip that firearm. And that firearm won't work if it doesn't recognize you. Let me ask you a question. You ever looked at your watch and the battery was dead? You ever turned on a flashlight and the battery was dead? You ever used a key fob and the battery was dead? It's probably raining when that happened, wasn't it? Imagine having an attacker intent on killing you and the battery in your smart gun is dead or you happen to be wearing gloves and the gun won't recognize your biometrics. He's proposed storage laws and requiring insurance and gun locks. Now imagine it's in the middle of the night. You awaken to a burglar in your house. You have to open your gun storage. You have to remove the gun lock, and you have to load your weapon, and you have to do all of this before you can protect your own life. Now, Beto O'Rourke, on September the 12th of 2019, said, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15 and your ak forty seven. Biden said at a campaign rally later that he could appoint O'Rourke and together they would take the guns. Now, recently, the State Department announced that it'll be denying approval for applications to import firearms and ammunition from Russia. Now, imported firearms and ammunition are often more affordable and available to more people and often the only option for lower income people. Now, there's a lot of debate on whether or not low-priced firearms have a place in prepping or in the firearms community. However, more affordable firearms allow people with a need to protect themselves to acquire one sooner than having to save up for a more popular or even higher quality firearm. I look at it this way. Any firearm is better than no firearm when you need one. Now, here's some things to do. I mean, it looks like a sad situation, and it is. And it almost looks like a scenario that we can't do anything about. But there are some things that can be done. Now, one, and this will be controversial to some, is join the NRA. They've gone through some problems and some scandals and some money issues recently, Even with their recent problems and the problems with the current leadership, they are still the largest gun lobby in the U.S. They do fight for our rights. They do fight to maintain the Second Amendment. So join the NRA at nra.org. Second thing, stay informed. Get your head out of your device and pay attention to some of what's going on And notice when legislators are talking about limiting our ability to own or to carry firearms. Another thing that we can do is vote in every election. Elect people with proven Second Amendment records. Look at things seriously. Look at their record. How many of them claim to support the Second Amendment, but they actually fold when it comes down to it? They'll give lip service to it, but they'll vote against our gun rights. We need to vote in every election and elect people with proven Second Amendment records. Now get involved. Run for political office or encourage good Second Amendment supporters to run. You can write to your congressional representatives and senators and urge them to vote against any and all gun control proposals. You can email them. You can call them on the telephone. Now, you won't get your senator on the phone, but you'll get his secretary or someone in his office, and I guarantee you that your view will be recorded. If enough of us call, they'll take notice. Now, let's understand that our rights that are guaranteed by our Constitution are under assault. The Second Amendment's under assault, legal firearms under assault. The government says we don't need firearms. Now go ask the Native Americans how that worked, or ask the Jews how that worked in the 40s. See, an unarmed populace becomes a controlled populace. The government's ultimate goal for decades has been to disarm the populace. If they're ever successful, we'll lose most of our freedoms and we'll become subjects of the government. If our Second Amendment falls, what's to keep the First Amendment or the Fourth Amendment or the Fifth Amendment or the Fourteenth Amendment from being taken away? I can see it now. Our house is being searched just because the government wants to search, or they're told that we have a firearm or a bullet. I can see Americans being beaten or tortured into making confessions. I can see Americans being held as political prisoners or jailed because of our religious beliefs or our political beliefs, or we don't conform to the narrative or to their mandates. How do you want to live? With liberty or as a subject of the government? Patrick Henry, in his greatest speech, said, give me liberty or give me death. What will it be? See you next time.
0: If you find value in our podcast, would you consider supporting us by buying us a cup of coffee? You can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash practical prep. Your support helps us keep the podcast up and running as well as growing. We have a few things in the planning stages and your support will really help make those things happen. And we thank you so kindly. If you haven't done this already, go ahead and click the subscribe button so you'll never miss one of our episodes. And share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens, stay prepared.